shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, by that old clock on the wall, it tells us once again it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero. I got to tell you, I'm coming to you from sunny, well, really rainy Florida at the Pinnacle Conference. And uh, this is the EMS Leadership Conference that happens every year. We're on Amelia Island, just north of Jacksonville, Florida. I got to tell you, it's a rough assignment. I don't know how I am doing it. But here's the man that gives me the most support of anyone on this podcast, our good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? It's good to talk to you too, Chris. I'm glad to know I'm your biggest supporter. I feel like a 24-hour bra in that regard. Uh, But I refuse to lift and separate, man. Support's all you're going to get from me. You know, that's really kind of crazy. I mean, you're only you're giving it to me with one hand, you're taking it away with the other. I don't know that uh, how that's working out for us, man, but support well, is support. Well, we so have I, to establish boundaries in a relationship, man. That's how it goes. Well, I figured after all this time, uh, you know, there'd be a little less boundaries. But you know what? I'm just happy to be on with the Ted Nugent of EMS and... Uh, you know, but, you know, Kelly, I, I think one of the things, you know, as we start our show, we got some challenges in our career field. And, you know, you and I have uh, vowed that uh, we were going to make 2015 the year that we brought awareness to uh, EMS professional suicide. And, you know, and we're saddened now to hear that on Saturday, one of our, our peers uh, in Levittown, Pennsylvania, um, took his own life by stepping in front of an Amtrak train. It happened about 10:15 on Saturday, and uh, you know this is one of those things now that really kind of you know brings awareness to the fact that uh, we're we're really not doing a good job of helping the folks that are in our career field. And you know, Kelly, we we've tried to talk about how we can bring awareness to this and how we can get some help for our you know for our peers in the United States and. You know, it seems like we're facing an uphill battle. You know, before I give it to you, there's one thing that I I did a little research on that I want to bring up. And it kind of goes a little bit differently, but it kind of talks about our military professionals. Since 1999, U.S. military deaths, 5,273. Veteran suicides since 1999, 128,480. And when we think about EMS professionals, when we think about our fire brethren, when we think about our our police brethren, man, it's like we're pushing a bicycle up a hill with a rope. Yeah, it does seem like an insurmountable problem. Uh, You know, that that statistic on veteran suicides is just staggering and shameful. Um, I don't, now, talk about uh, servicemen deaths, uh, and those basically encompass our latest two conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. I, I think the uh, the veteran suicides probably encompass pre- previous wars, including the first Gulf War and, and maybe even more. But still, the number is shameful. Um, we've got people coming home. They may be uh, physically whole, but not mentally and psychologically so because of course damage them and they're not getting the help they need. And, you know, we, you and I talk a lot about it, about professionalism and clinical excellence in EMS, and, and we've devoted our time lately to uh, to peer support and, and shining a spotlight on, on the issue of depression and PTSD. But one thing that EMS has not done well historically is brotherhood. And uh, we need to take a page from the firefighters and the law enforcement officers for sure because uh, we're failing at brotherhood and uh, not supporting our, our peers uh, as best we can. And uh, this is just one, one more evidence that uh, George Redner, 
killed himself uh, Saturday evening. And for whatever reason, he didn't feel like he could reach out to, uh, to anyone and, and, and tell a peer before he, he took that step. And, oh, man, it, 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 I wish I had words. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I'm with you, man. And, and it, it really is, it, it's heartbreaking in the sense that, um, you know, we're in the compassion business. And you and I have talked about, you know, for, you know, it seems like a couple years now, every time we hit this topic, that, you know, the stigma of, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the pressures we're going through and, and how we're carrying the burdens and, you know, how do we, I mean, people are, they're putting guns in their mouth and they're stepping in front of trains and they're, you know, this, this, it's last night I was having a conversation with somebody and we were talking about that even Robin Williams, I mean, here's a guy who hid behind his, his, his pain and his suffering with laughter. I mean, he, he gave us, you know, I had some of the best times laughing at his jokes and inside this guy was in pain. I mean, how do you reach out to somebody like that? Or how do you reach out to the provider who's delivering outstanding patient care, who's, you know, compassionate to his patients, compassionate to her patients, you know, who, who's, who's a role model, who's a mentor. We go back to Debbie Crawford that we talked about, uh, you know, last year, uh, who was the chair of the, you know, the, the CISD committee, uh, who was helping her peers deal with, uh, you know, the stresses. And, and, you know, she takes her own life after a, 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 a horrible fatal call. And, uh, you know, is there any way that we can finally put our hand on these folks to say, this isn't the route that you have to take? I, I would hope so. I would hope that, that better peer support to, to fill in the gaps where employee assistance programs and, and mental health counseling uh, don't fit uh, and, and don't do the job that peer support would. Um, you know, but, but I think it demonstrates that, you know, even the healers need healing. You mentioned Debbie Crawford. There was, you know, there were several years back, there was Pete Lenaroot, who was a uh, Army uh, psychologist who specialized in peer counseling and PTSD support and, and counseled hundreds of veterans. Um, and then when he rotated back stateside, uh, he took his own life. And, and you know, even even someone who was aware of the, the dangers, uh, as Leonard was, couldn't, couldn't master it himself. This is, this is a, the message we need to send, is that the burden need not be borne alone and that we need to be there for each other. You know, Tom Dick said in his book, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think we, we do a pretty good job of, of doing that with our patients. But do we do it with our partners? Yeah. Um, and if not, we, we need to be. Yeah, and that goes back, Kelly, to, to, to last week's show where you and I answered the question from Tori in South Dakota where she was talking about her hands shaking on a critical call and now her peers are making fun of her because, you know, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And, that, and, and this, that chaps my ass. Exactly. Like steel wool underwear. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that, that paints a pretty picture. <laughs> but, you know, it's still the fact that this is where that starts now. You know, how does she go back to her peers to say, oh, I had trouble with that call and, and you know, can you help me deal with that call? Because now it's going to compound the fact of, you know, you can't handle this this, this career. And, uh, you know, but l let's go ahead and take a little transition here, Kelly, because 
Yeah. As I mentioned in the start of the show, we're going to go ahead and take a seat at the guest table. Being at Pinnacle, you know, this is the EMS Leadership Conference, and I noticed that folks were here from Battleboro Retreat up in Vermont. And, and for those of you who don't know, the Battleboro Retreat is a program, uh, kind of a, a residence program, even though you, can, you don't stay on site, you kind of stay a little bit of ways, but where you can go and kind of have the opportunity to kind of talk about the problems and kind of help you through the challenges and give you some, you know, coping mechanisms. And they do it in a very, very unique way. And and I was really excited last evening. And, and this was really, it really happened kind of, uh, you know, uh, subversively because I was uh, just w- sitting next to someone at the bar. I paid my bill and I walked away thinking, you know, I'm going to my room. And I thought to myself, you know what? I forgot my card in a little folder and I went back and just started to strike up a conversation to this guy at the left of me, and we're going to bring him in here, and his name is Donnie Richard. Donnie, how you doing? Doing great, Chris. So we're gonna we're gonna effectually nickname you Donnie Brasco Richard. I'm sure you've, heard, you've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard it many times. So I can you, even throw a couple forget about it in there if you want. We can do that. And you are Italian, so that does fit really well. But Donnie, I want to welcome you to Inside EMS. Kelly and I are so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, welcome to the show, Donnie. Good to talk to you. So, you know, one of the things, Donnie, is really, I mean, just by accident, you and I struck up the conversation. You mentioned that you were working up there at Batterboro Retreat, and we, we spent the next two hours just talking about the possibility of shows and the different things that we can talk about. But for the people that know don't know about you, don't know about the Battleboro Retreat, give them a little background about who you are. And then let's go ahead and discuss a little bit about, uh, give me a little background on what Battleboro is all about. Sure. Um, let me start off. It's Brat- Brattleboro. There's an R in there. <laughs> it's, it is hard to say. It's a mouthful. Well, I, I stand corrected then. I mean, I, I can't be smart all the time, Kelly. You see what I'm doing here? Yeah, yeah. All right, so let me I'll tell you, you to, to showcase your frailties. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sorry, Donnie. Go ahead. I give you back the floor, sir. Sure, great. Let me let me tell you about Brattleboro, Chris. Brattleboro Retreat is located in Brattleboro, Vermont, for, for people that, that don't know. And it's a private, nonprofit mental health addiction and standalone hospital offering really a lot. Of, it's very comprehensive services, inpatient, outpatient, um, partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient for children, adolescents, and adults. But the program that we're talking about specifically and the program that I work in is the Uniformed Services Program. And that's a specialized treatment program for first responders. So we're treating EMS, police, uh, fire, corrections, paramedics, and veterans as well in, in that program. And we've been around, well, I guess it's six years this month. We opened in August of 2009. And we were the first of its kind in the country and really pretty much still are. And we serve, the, uh, we draw patients nationally throughout the country. And we've even had a few people come from outside of the country. Now, I was just going to mention that, you know, what you were just talking about, um, Chris and Kelly, in regards to the situation this past Saturday, it, it's tragic and amazingly not shocking, you know, because it's happening at such, such a great frequency. I think the one positive now is that the awareness has really grown in the past six years, I've noticed, since we've been in existence. And it, it takes something like this, people making noise. Kelly mentioned uh, supporting peers in EMS and, and really focusing on that brotherhood like law enforcement has. And I think that that's, that's an important piece that Kelly mentioned is that 
EMS really needs to get together and make a lot of noise in regards to this topic. Um, there is help out there, and it's it's better than it's been in the past. So now's a great time to really jump on that and bring its attention to as many people as possible. Yeah, I think the the first uh, first I became aware of Brattleboro Retreat was uh, at the Massachusetts EMS conference this past October, and I think I, I met Donnie there um, when we were doing. Uh, doing a little campaigning for Code Green campaign, uh, a hashtag awareness campaign, and, and uh, spoke to him about the Brattleboro Retreat. What is awesome about it is, is, is they, is that uniform services program, these are peer counselors and, and psychiatrists and, and professionals who are well-versed in, in the issues we face in public health and EMS and in the uniform services. You know, I, I've heard it dozens of times from, from EMPs who were, offered peer counseling or CISM or, or counseling in their EAP program. And, then, and the thing they all said was, those people don't know what we go through. I'm not going to talk to them. They don't get me. But that's not a, that, that's not what you can say about Brattleboro Retreat and their uniform services program. These, these people have been where you are, and they know exactly what you're going through. They've probably experienced it themselves. Yeah, that's right, Kelly. And that was something that we really talked a lot about when we opened the program, that we wanted to be, you know, national leaders and experts in the field of treating uh, trauma, cumulative stress, uh, PTSD for first responders. And we've been focusing on that since we opened, uh, training ourselves, uh, meeting with EAPs, talking to first responder agencies throughout the country, uh, partnering with veterans and law enforcement and EMS firefighting organizations uh, so that we can provide the best treatment possible and really have the information that we need to be in touch with, with these people in the way that they need to be talked to and, and, and treated. And to use evidence-based treatment that we know is effective for this population. You know, this is a population that isn't coming to get treated for trauma and then, you know, going home hoping to avoid it, right? This is, this is the population that's going to go back into that day after day after day. So it's not just about the treatment. But it's about talking about resiliency and building resiliency as they move forward in their careers. You know, Donnie, one of the things that we talked about last night, and, and there's so many different things that, that we need to chat about. And you and I made mention, and, and Kelly, you know, is in agreement. We, we've got to have you back every so often. And, and you've got to be a reoccurring guest with us because there's just so many things that we need to talk about. I, I really don't know where to structure my, my next question. But I guess the best thing that I can ask you is give us a little bit about the program. So if I'm coming to Brattleboro Retreat, how, what am I, what do I expect? What, what are my days like? You know, uh, how, how do we go? I, I, I don't even know what to ask, but maybe we can start with that. Well, that's a great place to start, Chris. And that's the question that everyone asks themselves as they're getting ready to think about coming. You know, those are the questions that run through people's heads. And oftentimes, those are the type of questions that actually keep people from coming. You know, it's the not knowing, um, or like Kelly said, that these people won't understand me, or I should just suck it up, or, or how is this going to affect my career, you know, if people think that I'm going to get um, treatment. So what I think the most important thing for people to know is this is a, a program that's completely dedicated to first responders all day long. You know, when they come in, they're going to be with their peers. It's mostly group therapy. Uh, there is some one-on-one -on -one therapy done with their individual clinicians. Uh, but this is a place where they can self-refer, just call themselves, call the Brattleboro Retreat uh, main number, and they can ask to speak to someone in the Uniform Service Program. 
uh, we take you know hundreds of insurance companies, so they should be fine in that regard. Uh, we also have private pay options for people who want to go that route. They can also go through their EAP. Most a lot of EAPs know about us. But what basically happens when they get to the hospital on campus is they'll be evaluated in admissions just to make sure that they're stable to participate in an outpatient program. It's actually fairly intensive. Our program it runs from eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock at night, and then they have a couple of lodging options right on campus they can stay at, or, or the one of them is just about a mile outside of the campus. It's a bed and breakfast that we, that we use uh, for our uniform service patients. After their evaluation, they'll come over to the uniform service program. It's very casual over there. Uh, I wish I could show you some of the uh, pictures of our unit. We have the patch wall. We have um, a lot of memorabilia uh, from police and fire and EMS uh, places. And I think people feel right at home as soon as they walk onto our unit. You know, it, it feels like it, it was designed for them, made for them. And right away, you can almost see it on people's faces when they walk in like, okay, I feel pretty comfortable here. One of the things that stands out to me is, is oftentimes firefighters will say, wow, I feel like I'm at the fire station, you know, just, just hanging out with the guys. Um, so right away, I think the, the, the environment when they walk on the unit is, is such that their, you know, their anxiety goes down. And like Kelly said, the fact that there's people working there that, that have uniform service backgrounds, that really helps. And that humor, you know, they, that, that kind of uh, odd humor that you often find in, in their first responders, uh, we have that there. So, so people feel right at home and they can say whatever they want to say and, and be accepted immediately by, by their peers. You know, Guy, one of the things that uh, struck me about your, your, your talk about the uniform services program is that you know, the way you uh, you talk, spoke about the way you differ from, from traditional counseling programs in that you recognize that, that we can't avoid those stressors uh, and, you know, we can't, uh, we can't get away from the stress. So it's how to, how to build resiliency and coping mechanisms and, and keep moving forward in your career. How do you go about doing that? I mean, you know, what, what is, what techniques do you employ to, to help people build that, that sort of resiliency and, and keep going, even though they, they know they're going to be exposed to stressors again? Okay, Kelly. Well, here's like the exciting thing, I, I think, and, and the evidence is mounting year after year. Uh, the treatment that we use, a lot of it is uh, mind-body uh, medicine. So mindfulness, meditation, yoga, qigong, aikido, uh, as well as traditional uh, psychotherapies and uh, psychoeducational groups, but a lot of what we train people in is things that they can leave here and do on a daily basis that we know lowers the stress response. So if someone is you know, repeatedly exposed to um, critical incidents or traumatic events, uh, even if it turns out to be fine, right? You go on a call and you get there and, and everything's okay. You know, it was a, a false call. It doesn't matter, right? Because as soon as you kind of get into that mode and the, the fight or flight kicks in and the amygdala starts doing its thing, you know, all that stuff gets turned on over and over and over. And a lot of the treatment that we use is focused on turning that stuff off. And it really works. And, and I think that's the, that's the cool thing is there is something that you can do to counter what is called the allostatic load. And the allostatic load is that is the body is the wear and tear in the body that's caused from stress 
over and over and over. It's almost like if you were driving your car with the pedal, you know, pushed all the way down for miles and miles and miles and miles, any mechanic will tell you if you drive your car like that, you're going to go through parts fast, you're going to need a lot of service, you're going to need some maintenance. Well, it's the same thing in our body. You know, when, when stress chemicals are being produced over and over and over, you need to provide some maintenance. And there's things that you can do like yoga and Tai Chi and meditation. And that's stuff that initially people thought, well, you know, they're really going to do that. Cops, firefighters, EMS, are they going to get into that? Um, but what I found is absolutely, you know, and especially because it works. So it's, it's that type of, of mind, body medicine and, and turning off of the stress response that can really help folks as they move forward in their careers. And it, you know, this is also something that's going to help in their personal lives too. You know, these, these are techniques that aren't just like fit for duty, but also fit for life. So the stress of the job isn't translated to home. You know, where now the families are, are kind of getting the secondary stress from the first responder in the home as well. I, I love that analogy that, that public safety providers, you know, uh, live life with the accelerator pressed to the floor, and the only way we slow down is by occasionally tapping the brakes, but we never let off the gas. <laughs> that that pretty pretty well describes us, actually. Yeah, and, and imagine what that's like on your body, right? Oh yeah. yeah. And I think that was an incredible way to put that. And those of you who are just joining us, we are chatting with uh, Donnie Richard from Brattleboro Retreat up in Vermont. And he's talking to us about the the uh, inpatient, it's not really an inpatient program, but it's a residential program. I mean, how do you define that, Donnie, before I go on? Sure. It's, a, it's an intensive outpatient program. So it's partial hospitalization. Uh, the fact that many of our patients, clients come from out of state we do offer housing on campus yeah, and yeah. then right up the road. So, sure. so it's not, not quite inpatient, but they're together all day. So my, my question really was this. I mean, you, you just did a great job of outlining for us how our body, uh, you know, holds on to that stress. And I think your analogy, as Kelly mentioned, was really uh, an awesome way to put that. But let me kind of ask you this question. Is there a common theme or is there a common... Uh, um, I guess, reaction that people can start to say, oh my gosh, th this is me. You know, because Kelly and I have talked about this before. It it's not seeing the, you know, the pediatric trauma. It's not seeing the murder scene. It's not seeing the, you know, it's the day that your computer doesn't connect to the internet that pushes you over the edge. It's the day your partner, uh, you know, you get in an ambulance that has a, a quarter tank of gas that puts you over the edge. And that's why we really don't understand you know, we tell people, what are you getting so upset about? That's no big deal. But that's not really what's making them upset. So are there triggers that people can kind of put their finger on to say, oh, my gosh, this is me. And maybe I need to get some help. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example, Chris. It's the little stuff that ends up causing a lot of problems. And again, at home, you know, you'll, you'll see this, too. But that's because at work, I mean, you're just you're doing the job. You know, you're on. And actually that those stress responses that, that are triggered while you're working are great. You know, you need those in, in those moments. It's when you don't need those and they're still firing, like when uh, the computer won't work or the, the ambulance has low on gas. You know, that's when it shows up. You know, in the moment when you're on a call, it, it's great. You need, you need that stuff. You know, it's good for you. Uh, it's when you don't need it and it's still going. That's when the problem, problems come in. And I think 
you know, the other thing that we do a lot is, is and the, the advantage, I think, to coming out to Vermont and, and why we do get a lot of people from across the country is it is an opportunity to kind of jump off that treadmill for, for a little while and, and stop and take a look at yourself and, and notice, you know, what, what's going on. Because when it, you're just on that treadmill all day long and it's, it's, it's nonstop, you can barely even recognize it. You know, you need to get off it for a little while to to really be able to stop and, and say yeah this is i'm i'm fried you know i think in the beginning donnie and for the sake of time unfortunately we need to think about wrapping up but I, but i do want to give you one more opportunity to to kind of talk to the people that are out there now you, you know kelly and i are trying to be advocates and we're trying to open the doors and we're trying to bring awareness and and your job with brattleboro is outreach your job is to is to get out there with the ems folks with the fire folks with the police folks and say hey we're here if you need us so maybe you can go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, talk about from your standpoint, um, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier, but if they need to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? And uh, who do they talk to or, you know, what's the process next for those people who need it? Sure. I would say the first thing to do, you know, if it, so people can feel comfortable is go on the website, you know, just go to BrattleboroRetreat.org, go to the Uniformed Services Program and take a look. You know, and, and see what they think. If it's if it's going to be right for them, it's always good. All help is good help. So you can look around and compare um, other places as well. I think that's smart. Talk to people about it. Share the information on our website with uh, loved ones, family members, and, and just start the conversation. But if someone's interested and, and they want to talk to us, they can just go ahead and call the Brattleboro Retreats um, main number one eight hundred Retreat is the number. So, so that should be pretty easy to remember. Um, and then starting there would be a good place. And if they have questions, you know, just call, you know, call and ask to talk to one of the staff members, uh, myself at the uniform service program, and we can answer any questions they have. I, I think the other thing for people to think about is, you know, this isn't just like a nice thing to have for people that des- you know, really need it or, or the, you know, the, the crisis has already happened and it's kind of after the fact, I think that uh, people need to be aware earlier, start to pay attention earlier to what's going on and, and make the phone call so that it, it, things aren't falling apart completely before they get to treatment. And to remember that this is, you know, people are fighting biology. You know, there's nothing to be um, ashamed of here. You know, this is, you know, you mentioned all the statistics with suicides among first responders and veterans and I mean these are real numbers this is not this is a this is a healthcare epidemic among first responders and people need to take care of themselves as soon as possible well Donnie I gotta tell you man it's been awesome that you've had the opportunity to come and visit with us it was very fortuitous that you know you and I got to share some time last evening uh, you know, promise us you'll come back. Let's put you in the rotation so we can get you to sit at our guest table and, and, and you know, let's bring awareness. Now, one of the things that you also talked about that I think would be very helpful is, is you know, is alumni. You bring people that have actually been through the program who could talk about the successes and the things that they went through. And, and we want our listeners to hear from somebody who, who was kind of like them and kind of had the challenges and, and now who, uh, you know, has got the skills to work through these things. And, I think you're going to be a valuable resource to us here at Inside EMS for our peers in the United States. And hopefully with a knock on wood, we're going to be able to, to curb this and get the people the help that they need so they don't have to feel that uh, they have to take their life at their own hand. 
Yeah, that's great, Chris. And thank you so much for um, being one of the people that are doing that. You know, right now, you and Kelly, by talking about it today and bringing it up. You know, you've already started the conversation, so let's just keep it going. Yeah, Donnie, thanks again for coming on the show. It's great, it's great talking to you again. And, and as you pointed out, uh, peer support uh, and, and recognizing the signs is paramount. So, you know, pay attention to your brothers in EMS and, and look out for the guy who's sitting 18 inches away in that seat next to you. Um, and for myself, co-host Chris Cibolero, and our guest this week, Donnie Richard, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. You guys rate us on iTunes and catch us next week.